I am grateful for Steve Nichols and his story of transformation because his story is a story that is plaguing our culture. It's plaguing our communities, and in fact, it's one of the greatest reasons, it's one of like many reasons as families encounter divorce and hardships and struggles and all sorts of things. There's typically a, a root of dealing with pornography. And in fact, for Gen Z, one of the, the recent stats that's come out from uh, some different organizations that 82% of guys, they interact with pornography monthly. And that even in certain sectors of the culture and the community, uh, pornography use is increasing exponentially uh, with females. And that the average age of exposure to pornography is at the age of 10. And there is a plague that has captivated our culture in such a profound way that it's changing stories and narratives for families and homes and individuals. And guilt and shame and all sorts of brokenness stem out of that. And as we start a new series today called Break the Mold, the story transformation that Steve is sharing, and Steve is inviting us as people to walk in that freedom that he has experienced, freedom and joy that is found only in the gospel and the freedom that Christ can bring over sin, any sin, we get to break the mold as well. We get to step in as a church and say, we, we, we pray and we hope and we will fight against these things that are hidden in the darkness, but in doing so are wrecking lives all around us. And maybe you've experienced it. Maybe you've walked through, through these types of situations and scenarios, or maybe you're currently trapped in it right now. I'm here to tell you that by the power of Jesus Christ, you can break the mold and you can break the hold that pornography has on your life. It is possible, it is here, it is now, and it is available to you in Jesus Christ. And so just kind of to, to set the foundation for us as we start this new series, we believe that our church, and we, by that we believe that you can, if you are a follower of Jesus, you can break that hold that sin has on your life and you can help lead others to walk in the freedom that Jesus has for you. And so if you're struggling with pornography or you need to take a next step, we have people in our prayer room would love to talk with you. We'd love to invite you to join that pure freedom group that meets on Tuesdays every night at 6.30 here at Chapel Point. In your worship guides, there's more information. Take a next step. Take a next step to be a transformed follower of Jesus and let's be light in darkness, not only in our own homes, but in the community around us to say, these things cannot happen in and around us because there's nothing good that comes from it. It leads to death and destruction in the lives of people. And so we just get to start our service to say, we're gonna push back as we launch this new series, as we look at the life of Daniel, we believe God wants to do a work in and through us to break the mold of the culture around us for biblical change. We believe it is possible, and so we want to invite you into that. So here's what I want us to do to kind of segue into the scriptures. Go to the book of Daniel. Once you go to chapter 6, and as you do that, I want to pray for us. I want to pray for us this morning, and we're going to be in Daniel 6, but to get there, I'm going to give some context and, and have a few different verses on the screen for us. But I just want to ask God to show up to speak to us as we launch into this summer series where we're going to look at the lives of some different characters in the scriptures to see how God has used them to break the, the hold and the mold that the culture has put around them in order to see biblical change in their lives and in the people around them. And I think God wants to do that in and through us and through this church here at Chapel Point as transformed followers of Jesus. So let's pray. Father, we come and we just ask you to do what only you can do 
is to change us and to transform us and to mold us and to conform us into who you have called us, who you've created us to be. And so Jesus, we just we come into this place under your name because you are the only name that can save. You're the only name that can bring change. We ask, Jesus, for you to do that as we open your word, as we look at the life of Daniel, God, and as we open our lives to you, Holy Spirit, to change us, to transform us by the renewing of our minds. We are yours. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So kind of teeing up that, that, uh, that sermon series we're going to be walking through over the next few weeks. But how many of you, I'm talking kind of like you 80s, 90s kids, you remember the Play-Doh spaghetti machine? You know what I'm talking about? Like kids today. Like, you are blessed, you are fortunate because your Play-Doh can turn into cars and monsters and you can like form it in all sorts of awesome stuff. But we, children of the 90s, we had the Play-Doh spaghetti machine. Like, what is that? Like, oh, check this awesome toy out. Thanks, mom and dad. Spaghetti. That's all we got. You would put the Play-Doh in the machine and you would squeeze it and out came your spaghetti. And if you were creative, it was hair, right? Um... That's what's happening so often in our lives is that there is something around us at all times trying to form us into something. We have to understand that the world around us is not passive. It is actively trying to form you into something, some sort of image that you were not created to be formed into. The scriptures from Genesis to Revelation paint the overarching story that God created us and he said it is good. Sin shows up and it breaks us. And the world continues to try to form us into these other things, things we don't even recognize in ourselves. But the good news is that Jesus has come to bring restoration through the cross, through his death, burial, and resurrection, knowing one day that all things will be made new. That is the overarching story from Genesis to Revelation, is that Jesus is trying to form us into his image, and the world is trying to form us into its image. And we have to be aware of that. And so as we move through this series, that's kind of the framework that we want you to be thinking about. How is God going to form you? And how is the world trying to form you? And what will you do in the midst of that tug of war? It is a spiritual battle. And so many of us, we just kind of take our hands off and we just kind of walk through life. But by the power of Jesus Christ, there is a new way to live in the midst of oppression, in the midst of hardships, in the midst of difficulties, when things just seem to work against you. There is a new way to live. And that's what the story of Daniel is all about. So I'm going to briefly going to run through kind of this narrative to kind of frame the context for us. And then we're going to look at one particular passage in Daniel chapter 6 where your finger is holding that page, waiting patiently. Well done, ladies and gentlemen. Well, we're going to look at a story that maybe you remember from your childhood, Daniel's, Daniel and the lion's den. And we're going to ask God, what do, we, what do you have for us in that passage? So briefly, Daniel and the people of Israel had a war that was placed on them by an outside nation. Now, up until recent days, that may not have seemed like a, an idea that we would understand, but picture what's happened in Ukraine as a warring nation comes into and begins to drop bombs and takes little by little a country in a place that they knew as home. And what happens, in, and this is what's happening, the king of Babylon has showed up in Jerusalem and he is warring on the city. He's besieged it, meaning he is taking it and he is holding it captive. And until he gets in, there's war and there's tension and there's chaos all around. 
And then as they take the city, the city falls. The king of Babylon begins a new campaign in order to spread his empire, in order to spread his way of understanding the world, in order to spread their ideology and their worldview. They take captive some of the young men of the house of Israel, the tribe of Judah, some of these people who were wise and of noble birth. And we see that happening in the passage is that they are taken captive, brought to Babylon, where they're to be trained for three years. And all this is in Daniel 1. Uh, so I want you guys to kind of go back and do your homework. But I just want to kind of quickly frame this for us. They take them captive for three years, train them, and indoctrinate them in the way of Babylon. And I wonder for us, have we been indoctrinated with the way of the world, things that we think we have, things that we should do because the world has said this is what we should do. But what we're going to find in the life of Daniel and even some of his friends in Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is that they choose to live differently because their faith is in someone other than the king of Babylon and other than the culture around them. It is in the one true God. Daniel is going to show up faithful. Daniel is going to show up fully present. And so just imagine that for a moment. You've been taken captive. You are in another culture. You are in a place that is not like your own. And even in the scriptures, it goes as far as to give them Babylonian names. Daniel is his Hebraic name. And he's given a name in Babylon called Belshazzar. The culture wants to give you a new identity, but God has already set your identity and it is fixed and it is who you are, no matter what the world says. So we have to be able to be sure of that and dive into that. So I want you to see something when it happens in the life. We see how Daniel is faithful and he is present in captivity. As he's brought into Babylon in chapter 1, verses 8 through 9, it says, But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and the wine given to them by the king. And he asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. And now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. God shows up in a unique way in the life of Daniel. And he gives him some favor with the chief of staff. And if you want to throw that back on the screen for me, it would be awesome. He says that Daniel was determined not to defile himself. He knew his God had already called him to live in such a manner, a manner that had certain restrictions on the foods that they were to eat and the foods they were not to eat and ways that they were supposed to live and work hours that they were supposed to have. These laws, these Ten Commandments and these other laws that came from Moses, from the people of Israel, that was their code. That was the law that Daniel was going to live by no matter what. And he made that commitment not to defile himself. But notice he said he was given both respect and affection to the chief of staff. I want us to realize this reality. This is a very true thing for us, and it is a tension that we all live in. If you know and follow Jesus, there's something in you that aches for the way it should be, but when you look around the world, it's not as it should be, and there is a tension that we all feel. It's often there's a song that we sing around here written by Andrew Peterson called, Is He Worthy? And the first line says, do you feel the world is broken? And the, the kind of response in that song is, we do. Daniel is in the midst of saying, I feel the world is broken, but he's going to show up faithful. He's going to show up present in that. And so the question for us that we've got to begin wrestling with for us to break the mold and to see biblical change in our lives and the world around us is, are we going to be faithful in culture? Or are we going to be faithful to culture? Faithful in culture is wildly different than being faithful to the culture. This is one that you've given your allegiance to. This is one you're giving, I'm going to follow no matter what. 
How many of you are Detroit Lions fans? You have given your allegiance. It's working out pretty good, huh? I'm just kidding. I'm just picking a little bit. Maybe this year, right? Isn't that how they always say it? This year is going to be a good year. The allegiance is given that. We give our allegiance to so much stuff in culture, to image, to money, to status, to people around us. We, are faith, we often give our allegiance to the things around us. But instead, God is calling us to be faithful in the culture to him. To be in the culture, but not being conformed like the spaghetti machine. To be in the culture, but not allowing the pressures to change who God has called you and created you and I to be. And that's the question we're going to wrestle with through this series. Is are we going to be faithful in the culture, knowing that God has called us to do something more? And so we find Daniel, and we find his friend Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in a culture, and they are remaining faithful to God. They're remaining faithful to who he is. And God is showing up time and time again in some miraculous ways, showing off his goodness and his power to the world around them. And what we know about Daniel is that Daniel rises in prominence in the culture. He begins to have uh, influence in the political systems and structures. And he begins to be able to leverage his influence to serve the king. All while his reality, his driving force is to serve the king of kings. He is serving the king, but ultimately he is serving the king of kings. Because he is faithful in the culture. He's not faithful to that culture. You tracking with me? What is God stirring in you even right now as you think about it? Are there things you are giving your allegiance to? Because Daniel does not waver. He determined not to defile himself. And in doing so, God continues to move in mighty ways in and through him. So we're going to pick up in Daniel chapter 6, starting in verse 1. So I want to invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's word. And we're going to read this together. There will be some parts uh, for you to call out on the screens as we do this. And so let's begin in Daniel 6. Verse 1, and it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. And Pause for a moment. Taken captive, in some ways made a slave to another culture, taught a different culture, completely different culture, way of thinking, way of dressing, way of living, different values, different priorities. And in this passage over them, after not just one king that he was captive to, another king arose. And now we're picking up in Daniel 6, a third king, a third administration he is serving. And he shows up and the king of a godless culture is now going to place him in charge of that government. And parts of it. Do you, do you recognize the uniqueness of that? That is the uniqueness God has placed each and every one of us in. To have influence beyond anything we could imagine. Seeking the good of that kingdom. In fact, in Jeremiah 29, 29 verse 17, it says, While you were in captivity, seek the good of that city. It's talking about this moment. And it's talking about the moments that we all live in. We live in a culture that's broken. Does anyone feel that? 
Do you feel the tensions and the angst and all the hardships around us? You hear the news and you see it on social media. We feel that. But God has placed you in your culture, in your context, to have influence more than you could ever imagine. As long as you're faithful to the one true God, not to the culture around you. So let's continue reading. And to whom these satraps should give account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel... And satraps, because. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they find because he was faithful. Because he was faithful. And no was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. What an incredible statement about the life of Daniel. Because of the way he lived, though it was in contrast to the culture around him, to the laws and the decrees, he served another law and another king, that king being the one true God, Yahweh. But in doing so, he was able to rise to prominence, to oversee, what did the passage say? The whole kingdom. The whole kingdom. And I think about our lives. Just kind of go through the story of your life. Could it be said about you and could it be said about I that there was no ground for complaint or any fault because you and I are faithful? Because you and I are faithful. As I look back in my, kind of go look at the rear view of my life, the rear view mirror, I can't stand before you and tell you that there would be no room, there's no ground for complaint in Luke Bilberry's life. You can ask my kids. I'll tell you one funny, awesome story because it's funny now, not really funny. Uh, I'm still working through it here. Take my daughter on a date because I feel like awesome dad. I'm like, hey, let's take, you know, take a little Madeline out. We're going to have our little father-daughter date. We're going to talk. And so I'm sitting there. And because this is what we do, this is who we are as a church, we uh, want to have good questions. We want to be intentional. And so I ask my daughter, I say, hey, hey, Madeline, um, you know, how can I be a better dad? Just open myself up for that one, folks. Just wide open. I was like, I think, she's like, no, Dad, you're, you're so good. You're so awesome. Like, that's kind of what I was banking on in the back of my head, a little like, attaboy. Um, and she goes, Dad, well, like, oh, okay, all right. Well, great, this is going to go good. Well, you know, there's times that uh, you ask and you talk to Noah and I, and you're, and you're trying to help us, but sometimes I don't really think you're listening. So in good dad form, I'm trying to hold it together. But I'm always listening to you kids because you're always talking. <laughs> but I held it together. I kept it, kept my cool for a minute. And I, received, I was like, oh, my goodness. She's right. She's right. There's times whenever her and Noah are trying to explain something to me, I'm not fully listening to them. 
I'm trying to get my way, or I'm trying to exhort my leadership or my kind of control on my kids in that moment. And she, she, kind, of, she kind of wrecked me for a minute, and I was like, she's right. So I had to apologize for her in that moment, and then a few weeks later, uh, Noah was doing something, and there was this moment where I was thinking it was about some other situation, so I'm trying to get on to him, like, no doubt I'll tell him, and be nice to your brother and sister, and you know, that kind of moment. But then, like, I remember that conversation. I remembered that moment. So, hey, honey, is, is that kind of, she's like, yeah, dad, that's that moment you're talking about where I made another mistake, but I was able to identify it because she helped me. There is ground for complaint in Luke Bilberry's life. You can ask my kids. There are faults in my life, and, and, and there's, you can just look at, I am not someone who's going to stand before you that says, I have been always faithful in moments. I have made mistakes. I have not given all of my life in moments to Jesus. And I think that's every one of our stories. We can look at our lives and our, our desires and our intentions may not line up with our actions and, and, and the ripple effects of our lives. But as we walk through this story, I want us to understand that the hero of the story is not for us to look at Daniel and say, we want to be like Daniel. It's to realize our brokenness. It's to realize the sin that is in us looking at his life and asking the question, God, I need your help because that is what you've called me to be. You have called me to be faithful in a culture that is trying to form me into something else. God, you have called me to be fully present in a world that can seem really dark. And you have called me to be the light. And so how do we do that knowing that there are room, there's room for complaints? There is ground for fault in us. It is only through the gospel, through the good news of who Jesus is and what he has done to redeem us. And so I just want to lay that foundation for us, that Daniel is not the hero, but Jesus is the hero of this story. But we see in his life, in the life of Daniel, they saw no fault. They had no room for complaint in him. So they went after the thing that he was committed to, the law of God. We see that in the, in the bottom part of that verse, of verse uh, 5 and 6. Daniel, unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Daniel lived a life underneath the authority of the Babylonian Empire, but ultimately under the authority of the law of God. And so I wonder for us, knowing that God has called us to be faithfully present in our culture, to be faithfully used by him in a dark and broken, hurting world, how do we then step into that? How do we walk forward in that? We need to realize a few things. We need to realize that there are some things in our lives that we must do. For us to be faithful and present in the culture, you and I have to be radically committed to Jesus. You and I have to be radically committed to Jesus, meaning that our life is oriented around his word and his will and his way, not the way of the world. What gets your attention and your heart's affection? What is drawing you? What are you giving your mind to? We see in verse six, if you want to look with me, as the story rolls out, there happens to be a challenge, another moment where the world is trying to conform Daniel and the king is tricked to sign a decree that says anyone who does not worship and pray to me, King Darius, will have to be killed and thrown into the lion's den. And here's what happens in 6.10 as Daniel hears the news. Verse 10, and when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, the decree, the law of Babylon, Daniel has a choice. 
Will I conform to the law of Babylon or will I continue to be found faithful even though my situation, the present situation for me is dire? And so he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Daniel's life has been marked by a radical response to pursue the one true God through prayer consistently three times a day. And the, and the writer even goes on, it says, as he'd done previously. In chapter two, it says, in another hard situation, it says he, he invites his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to seek the mercy of God. This is a consistent theme in the life of Daniel. The way he's able to break the mold and see biblical change in the culture around him, he is adamant, I will spend time with Jesus. How many of us have had a religious experience where we're like, man, I, just, I need to take another step towards Jesus. I need to grow. This is what happens at our men's conference, our women's conference, and our student retreats and student camps, all those sorts of things. The similar responses, I need to grow. I need to get nearer to God. What should I do? And maybe you've heard this. You should pray and you should read the Bible more. This is the lesson that we taught our students this past Sunday with one of our teachers. Pray and to read the Bible. Apart from those things, where are you going to draw near to God? He has revealed himself in his word. He has made himself known. He has showed up, showing who he is. And then he then invites us to pray to draw near to him. Do you understand the incredible gift you have been given? When you believe and trust in Jesus Christ, you can boldly approach the throne of God Almighty. You don't have to go like Daniel before the king as he's had three different kings to serve. He would always come up and he would say, may the king live forever, which is not true because he can't. He's going to die. We've had three of them. But they would show up and he would have to do all these sorts of rituals in order to come before a man. But you and I, through Jesus Christ, get to boldly come before Jesus, boldly come before God the Father through Jesus Christ and talk with him, to sit at his feet and to listen to him, to grow in a relationship with him. Are we going to be able to break the mold if we, unless we draw near to him through prayer and through reading? What happens in this moment, because Daniel has grown in value and importance to the culture. He is having influence and cultural impact. He is seeking the good of a city, making good things happen for the people of Babylon, though they don't fully know and trust God, but they will because of his faithfulness, because he's fully present in that. So in verse 14, it goes on to say, hearing this, because what happened, the guys who tricked him, who were jealous of Daniel's authority, tricked him and the king now has to throw Daniel in the lion's den. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled, and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel, which is, again, showing the value of this person who does not fully submit to Babylon. He fully submits to God, but he's invaluable to the culture, to the community around them. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. And in the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no law that the king signed can be changed. <laughs> so he's the king... And he can do whatever he wants, but he can't change his mind on the thing he wrote. Okay, that's fascinating. Because he's not the king of kings. He is merely a man, and he is bound by systems and structures. He's following a law that is not God's law. And so at the last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of the lions. And the king said to him, May your God, whom you serve faithfully, rescue you. 
Darius is not a follower of the one true God, but he calls out, may your God save you because you have been faithful to him in all things. What an incredible testimony. And a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Interesting thing that no one could rescue Daniel. But here's what we know. That where, God, where the world sees death, God sees life. Where the world sees death and destruction as they roll the stone over the hole where death is about to happen. The lions are about to eat and to destroy Daniel. God works in there and there is life and there is resurrection and there is hope. Why? Because his hope is not in this world and the things of this world or the law of Babylon. His hope is in God Almighty. And we see that in 619, that at the break of day, the king arose and he went in haste to the den of the lions. And as he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish, knowing in his mind that Daniel's likely ripped to pieces and dead in that tomb. There's probably nothing left of him, but yet he's crying out in hope. Do you recognize the tension that is happening here in this story? Oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you. O king, I have done no harm. And the king was exceedingly glad. We must understand that Daniel broke the mold by pushing against the political, the cultural, and the religious norms of his day. He pushed against those. People saw them. They called it out. You serve God. You follow the law of Yahweh and your people Israel. You're not like us, but man, there is something different because you're doing a whole lot of good for us. Daniel broke the mold by pushing against all of those norms, all the status quos, and he lived in his identity of who God created him to be, Daniel, a follower of Yahweh, and to stand firm and unrelenting in his faith. That's how he breaks the mold. But like I said earlier, how do you and I do that? There's no fault in me. You and I have faults. You and I are broken. As awesome as you are, I think you're all amazing. You look great. You're kind. You give me high fives. We have good conversations. I hear the good things you do in the community, but at the core of who you are, there is fault. There is sin that is in us. For you and I to break the mold, to see biblical change happen in the community all around us, we must put our hope in the one true God and he has revealed himself in Jesus Christ. He has revealed himself. He has walked and lived faithfully. Imagine this, Jesus himself, God Almighty, steps down into human form, and the scriptures tell us, eyewitness accounts say, he was faithful. There was no sin in him. There was no fault found in him. He did not make any mistake. But yet he was crucified as one who had had grievous sins but he was sinless. He was perfect. And he willingly takes our sins on him though, taking them to the death where a stone is rolled over him. But where does our God work? Our God works life in the places of death. 
And all around our culture and all around our community, we see death and we see brokenness and we see hardships and we see tensions all around. And God is calling us, each and every one of us, to break the mold, to push back against those things, but not pushing back against the world and saying, Ugh, you guys are disgusting. You guys are broken. You guys are sinful. There is no, in the Christian theology, there is no us versus them. Because we are them. We are sinful people. And apart from the grace of Jesus Christ, we cannot live abundantly. But God shows up as the faithful one who is fully present. He is our Emmanuel. He lives in the world, but he is not of it. And in fact, this is the prayer that Jesus prays for each one of us. And the night that he was betrayed, before he goes to the cross, Jesus in John 17 is with his disciples and he begins to pray a prayer, a prayer that is echoed through the ages. A prayer that is as much for us as as it is for the disciples that he was with that night. In John 17, verse 14, he says, I've given them your word. I've given them your word. The testimony about me, Father, I've given them the story that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and that apart from me, they can't enter into heaven. Apart from me, Father, they cannot be reunited with you. I've given them the word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just like Daniel was hated by those men, they were jealous. They hated him because of the way he faithfully followed his God and the way he was fully present in his culture and his community. Jesus goes on to pray, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. Oh, how easy it would have been for Daniel to say, God, why? Why am I here? Why am I in this situation? Why is this so hard? This isn't my home. I want to go back home, Father. Take me home. Take the pain away. Take the brokenness away. Take all of it away. But Daniel walks through hardship after hardship to a lion's den, a place of death. But in doing so, God does an incredible work that changes Babylon, changes King Darius, and people give praise and honor to him, give him glory. Jesus' prayer, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. Don't take them out of the lion's den. Don't take them out of the school systems that they're in. Don't take them out of the cultures that they're in. Don't change anything about them. These are conversations that we're having, right? We got to retreat. We got to run. It's a scary place out there. It is scary. But he says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. And my friends, Jesus is alive and he has conquered death and he has defeated Satan. Our enemy is defeated. He will protect you from the evil one. Do not take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil one. Keep their eyes fixed. May they be faithful. May they be fully present. They are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is the truth. Your word is the truth. And as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified in truth. Jesus is our hope. And so the question for us today is will we be conformed into the image of this world? It's like the Play-Doh machine. Are you gonna let the world squeeze you and out comes the things of this world? 
will you allow God to do a work and conform you into his image, to mold you and to shape you and to care for you because you trust in Jesus? That's our prayer today. May God conform you into his image so that you can then have an impact in this community and across this world that you aren't even ready for yet. Because do you think Daniel for a moment thought, I'm going into captivity. God is gonna use me in an unbelievable way to shape the story of nations, of history. This is a historical account. These wars and these battles and these kings are real. And Daniel, by God's grace, by the power of his Holy Spirit, God used Daniel. And I know and I believe that God will use you. So I invite you to trust and follow Jesus this morning. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we are yours. We are yours. Heart, mind, soul, body, strength, we are yours. Because you made us, you formed us, you created us in your image, and you know us. We are created in your image, God. May you continue to mold us and form us so that we can push back against the political, the cultural, the religious norms of our culture because we are resilient and we are faithful to you alone, not to ourselves, not to our ideologies, but we humbly submit and we surrender to you, King Jesus. God, would you continue to do abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine so that nations and stories and family heritages and generations are changed for your glory, to give you praise and honor that you alone are worthy of God. We love you. We love you. Thank you for loving us. Praise in Jesus' name.